cell. I rap at the door, my young son Gabriel walks in. My wife says, no, Gabriel, leave. I say, no, let the boy watch. Let the boy watch. He needs to learn the way I learn. Welcome back to episode number five. Five Alive, Johnny Five. Of Let the Boys Watch, an entertainment podcast brought to you by Going Great Productions. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Robbie. Uh, alongside me is a man who is known to wear noise-canceling headphones while he's having sex. <laughs> uh, cousin Benny. And uh, also alongside me is a man who graduated uh, magna cum laude from uh, Hanna-Barbera Business School. That's true. <laughs> one of our co-hosts, Ryan. A couple of Scooby-Doo's here. Unbelievable. <laughs> and I'd like to say thank you to a man who mails people frozen blocks of his own blood. <laughs> Robbie. Why do you think I was to catch? <laughs> what the fuck? It was a joke, and then it wasn't a joke. And then it, and then and it, it was, was a joke, joke again. again. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, this is Let the Boys Watch. Uh, we are reviewing and discussing Succession Season 4. Today we're talking about episode five, Kill List. Or is it the Kill List or just Kill List? I don't remember. Just Kill List. Kill List, which as of yep. this moment has a 9.3 on IMDb, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and we're going to go through the episode, talk about you know what we think and how we feel. We're going to play America's favorite two games at the end uh, called shit show at the fuck factory the people we don't like in this episode and the logan roy memorial serious person of the week which is the person who won this week so stay tuned for that and make sure you email us ltbwpod at gmail.com for everything that you want to talk about with succession tell us we're fucking stupid or tell us we're on point benny what do you got? ltbw podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. You can email me that I can't read. Uh, ltbwpodcast at gmail.com. And find us on Instagram. Let the boys watch pod on Instagram. So follow us there as well. Um, I, if you if you haven't, Benny spent a bunch of money on advertising. So you, I'm sure you got uh, spammed our Instagram. Right, Benny? I spent uh, millions, if not billions, billions, to promote the Instagram. $192 a share he spent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so with that, should we just get into it? Maybe do some overall impressions? Sure. But before we do that, we, yeah. you know, as Robbie mentioned last week, we need to know the streets are howling for the, pl- for they're on Plum Watch. Uh, this episode was 6.8 plums. Out of ten, the only thing, the only thing colder than your takes is your computer connection. Yeah, well, I like this episode again. Six point eight is better than average. I like parts of this episode, but overall, I'm just I'm kind of tired of like the it's like the same trope. Like I feel like it's just oh, and I get that this is business. I understand why people love this show. I totally get it. But for me, I'm just like, all right, fucking do something. <laughs> and like Madsen's cartoonish and annoying. And it's just like, oh, now Shiv's... We'll talk about all this, but it's just... That's how I felt. During the middle of the episode, I turned to Katie and I was like, this episode stinks. Wow. But really, 
it redeemed but, itself a bit at the end. Okay. Your takes I, stink. I know. <laughs> they fucking stink. Every, every week I'm getting more and more enraged. Listen, I th- I'm allowed to have my own opinion. That is true. I mean, no one has to say it's right, though. I thought no, this was that, another, uh, another. I don't want to say great, but it was a very, very solid episode. Continues a trend of bangers only this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I get where you're coming from, but when I, when I let it sit, and I think about what happened in the episode and that second watch when I oh, this is almost a show where it almost benefits you to know what's coming because you look and find all those little things and the little like micro reactions from everybody. And I think that's where the episode really shines for me is on that second watch and just like picking up on all the little things. What about you, Robbie? Yeah, I thought it was another great episode. Um, I always. uh I don't know, man. I just, I think this, this, this season is just, uh, it's just fantastic. I think every single episode is, uh, is strong. Um, some obviously are better than others, but I just loved the intro. Uh, Kendall back on his bullshit with the, uh, the takeover, you know, song blaring in the, in the, in the car over the, uh, over the, uh, loudspeakers. And I, uh, I just, you know, I, I, I loved, um, Matson, you know, circa 19, late 1980s Detroit Pistons, Pistons, just straight bully ball on the boys. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was a, a, another, another solid episode. And I really don't know where we're headed as far as like the ending of this show. So, so I'm extremely intrigued as to where we're going to go in the next five episodes. I did watch, this was one of the weeks where I did end up watching the, um, the, the, coming attractions i guess you would say yeah and it looks like things are gonna get kind of wild i feel like kendall's about to like go on like some crazy like megalomaniac trip so i'm, yeah. I'm super excited to see where it, you know these last five episodes take us so what do you say you want to get into the episode yeah let's do it all right so we had a cold open uh it was a throwback to episode one the first time we see kendall uh, when he's in the back of the his car going to Waystar Royco, the day he believes he's going to be named the successor. Um, and he's back on his bullshit, as Robbie said. He's got the, the rap music blasting. Uh, but instead of the headphones this time, he's blasting it out loud in the car. Uh, and what I liked was the when he got out of the car, the score or the soundtrack was the classic like piano succession music, but it had like that hip hop beat behind it, which is almost like showing you like, this is the new era of Waystar Royco. Um, Kendall walks into the building. He gets his minions, which he promptly tells to fuck off, goes upstairs and he's getting talked to by uh, our guy, pencil neck Hugo. (laughs) And he tells him that, yeah, he wants to take pictures of him and uh, he wants to take pictures of Kendall and Roman, the CE bros, which is the <laughs> the, the bad version. And Kelvin, Kendall tells him, well, let's not go with the bad version. Um, they walk into the CEO office. We get a little debrief of before the trip to Sweden or, or Norway, I should say. Uh, and that kicks off the episode. What did you guys think about the kind of the power dynamics between uh, the fact that Kendall shows up with what he thinks is early, only to see that both of his siblings have been there in the office before him. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, typical Kendall bullshit. From the first episode to this one, 
I hate his guts. And everything <laughs> he does, I hate. I just think he's fucking lame. But I understand his, you know, I'd probably be doing the same shit, like pumping music, uh, get, being all hyped up because it's my first day as the big boss or one of the big bosses. Um, and yeah, in typical Kendall fashion, he tells people that are just there trying to help to fuck off. He goes <laughs> immediately. In, immediately. Um, and then, yeah, like goes in, sees that Roman's already been there for a while. I think Kendall makes a, a little quip, like, would you sleep here? Yeah. Um, and Roman's got his team. And then I liked how they were, you know, all, the old guard comes in. I don't know if you were going to get into that, but like, and then everyone's doing the fucking email game. Oh, did you yeah. send that to me? Did you send that to me? Oh, just, I sent it to you. What are you talking about? I didn't. And it's just, I think they're doing the, you know, there's all these camps. So even though Roman and Kendall are co-CEOs, they're each their own camp, Shiv's another camp, and then it's like the old guard. So it's like they're not cohesive. It's it's a couple different things. At least that's how I read it. Robbie, what did you think? Yeah, I think um, maybe Kendall gets his own little shtick. I'm, I'm kind of – it's kind of off-putting with the entire fuck-off thing. You know, that's his, that's his dad's thing. I mean, I, I didn't – I didn't like that. Uh, I did enjoy Roman and Shiv both being there earlier than him. I thought yes. that was I thought that was a nice little touch. Uh, he thought he was going to come in there and fucking be the big boss, the big boy. But I <laughs> and I thought it was so fucking corny when they were just like clapping and banging on the desk. While he uh, was yeah. I was like, that's a little bit over, like too much. If they do that in like real offices, like corporate yeah. offices, like that's so fucking lame. But uh, they definitely do that type of shit in offices. Yeah, hundred percent. So fucking annoying. And I'm always the one who's like just sitting at my desk, just like watching everybody. <laughs> yeah, or you and give then, them like the the half hearted like, and it's the clap's yeah. not even making a sound. <laughs> yeah. And then like wondering why I'm not getting promoted and stuff like that. <laughs> you gotta put a game. I know. I, know. I I'd no. probably be going nuts too. I don't give a shit. I'll no, suck yeah. anyone's deck at the office. I don't care. Oh boy. Um, I did have a special... literally. I did have a special question for our resident music expert, Robbie. Your first day as CEO of Waystar Royco, what oh. are you b- bumping in the car oh. on the way in to take the throne? Ooh. Oh, the succession probably, theme song. Probably. <laughs> no, I'll probably stay with another uh, Jay-Z track, which was my uh, walk-up music in senior year uh, high school baseball, and that's Big Pimpin'. Nice. Ooh. I like that's a good answer. That's a uh, good choice. That's what I would do. I think that's just got a nice little fucking flow to it. And that's the kind of song I would be I'd be bumping to. And then I walk in and see that the cuz has already been there for an hour and a half. <laughs> that's right. And that's it. Feet up on the desk. <laughs> uh, I think I stepped on the last part of your your thoughts from the this first scene, though. So go ahead and finish up with that. No, I just thought it was a nice little little, little power dynamic. CE bro. Is is fantastic. I hope they do a spinoff show with just Roman and Kendall. No. With some with some other company that they fucking run to the ground. <laughs> but no, I thought it was a nice little dynamic to see all the ins and outs and see what everybody was thinking. Um, you know, should everybody go? How are we gonna how are we gonna make this play? So I enjoyed the scene. I I always love when uh the entire band is is together and uh, I love a nice little corporate office environment and uh, everybody was uh you know doing their usual corporate corporate shell and milling around. So good scene. 
Yeah. And then the twist that Ryan mentioned there was they, they get a text and an email from Matson saying that they don't just want the kids. They want pretty much every executive in, in there. So not only Jerry, Carl and Frank, they want all pretty much the heads of every division there. So it ends up being a full flight and we get the intro after that. Right. That's when we get it. And yep. we move to pre-flight yep. where Greg is being super creepy. <laughs> He's just being <laughs> very creepy talking about Norwegian wood. Um, great book, we, by the way. Yeah. Great song by the Beatles. Yes. Also a great song. Yeah. That's wow. That's the, what the book's named after. Yeah. Fucking, who walks up to a group of coworkers and is just like, we going to get the hotties. Like what a fucking, yeah. Dude. Greg is definitely feeling himself at this point. And oh, yeah. he, the the less foot footing he has in the company, the more egotistical he gets, it seems. <laughs> so we get onto the plane, and you know, probably one of the, the the scene steals of the show is we see Carl and and Frank putting on their compression <laughs> socks. Uh, <laughs> Tom's watching this, and Carl looks dead at Tom and says, uh, "You got a problem, Tom?" So our 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 Carl <laughs> fandom is 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 going ham here. Um, Shiv offers to get rid of Tom, and Jerry gives a rousing speech to the troops as you know they get ready to land in Norway. What did you guys think of this speech from from Jerry? I feel like more and more they're trying to show Jerry as probably if if anybody was going to be the best person to take over the company, it would be Jerry. How do you feel about that, Robbie? No, I agree. I think I think she was and still is the most competent person to take over that company. I think she she was doing a fine job, you know, in Logan's, you know, absence. But I thought it was a a great speech. You know, you get that typical um you know, Europeans are weak, a lot of the French World War Two. So uh, <laughs> that little that little stigma, a little stereotype of them. But I I don't know, something really like got my ears perked up when she said that we would like they were raised by wolves. I really enjoyed that uh, that little saying that she had, and uh, yeah, I thought I, I mean, Jerry. I mean, she has like nine lives, man. She was she was CEO, then she was fired on on Connor's wedding day. Now she's back, but I thought it was a fantastic speech, and I thought that um, hey, it pumped me up. So hopefully, it pumped everybody else else up on the airplane that was uh, making their way over to Norway. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I agree. I think Jerry's probably uh, a good candidate to either be CEO or be involved in transition. Um, I mean, clearly we see at the end of the episode that she is not on the kill list. So she probably will be involved in some way, shape or form. Um, but I did. I also want to echo what you said about being a scene stealer, Carl and Frank putting on the compression socks. I mean, if there's I think we know from a number of scenes and things that are said in this episode that it's definitely like a lot of old guard versus the you know new kids on the block type shit. But that was definitely a scene to be like, we're fucking old. We need compression socks because we're going to be sitting yeah. for a couple hours. Um, and but the old guard still being like, you got a fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. Where that's like such a real life when something happens to somebody. They're like, oh, you got to make sure you get all your antioxidants. And like you just go, you overdose on it, yep. you know, following like such a big event like Logan dying on the plane. Right. And I love uh, 
I love when shows or movies do stuff like that. That's like, like that's not important to the story. That's not like it, it's a real life thing that people would do. Yeah, and they just put it in there, and it just it humanizes Frank and and Carl, but also, you know, says "fuck you, Tom" at the same time, which I can get behind. What did you guys think about uh, Kendall? And Roman offering to off Tom and get him out of the company. I think Tom could take both of them in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of Shiv, you know, telling them to back off though and, and kind of keeping him around? I just think what? it's like, again, I just think it's that she, um, it's the pregnancy thing. I think, I think that plays a, I think that plays a, f- a factor as well. I I think that's the only thing, really. I mean, after she kind of, after he kind of screwed them over, I mean, she's seemingly hates his guts, but maybe she also knows that he's he's competent as well. I think he's definitely competent in the, uh, you know, to run TV. But I don't know. I I think it's just the 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 baby that's kind of keeping him around. That little thing she has in the back of her head that nobody really knows what's going on at the moment. Speaker Shiv, go ahead. ahead, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say like couple like I agree I think she thinks Tom's competent but I also feel like this episode highlighted where Tom is weak and that's like I guess interpersonal relationships or or building relationships like he was so awkward talking I mean a, a number of them were awkward talking to their quote unquote counterparts in Gojo but he just came across as like extra awkward in some of these interactions um but I think I think it's I think Robbie's right. It's more about the baby. Um, I think, and I've said it a number of times that they're still going to get back together. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, go go ahead with your point though. Yeah, I, I think Tom, when he has a singular focus, he's able to to be successful and and work those relationships. But when he doesn't know which horse to back, like you see, he's kind of just been flailing these right. last couple of weeks. So I think that's what we're seeing. What does he um, say? I'm here to serve. Yeah. Just here to serve. Yeah. But we also, what did you guys make? Do you think uh, Shiv completely sussed out Kendall as being the source of all these bad uh, articles that they're seeing in the press? Because it seems like she was on Kendall, mm-hmm. no matter how he tried to play it off. Robbie, what did you think? hundred percent. A hundred percent that she knew that, that he was, leaking those stories because that's what she does that's a political operative type type career she understands what's going on i mean she knows the ins and outs of shit like that and i truly believe that she knew she sniffed it out and that's kind of why she i guess was her her mo for the entire episode kind of just to just to take everything um and do it on her own basically and kind of not put them in in you know, not have them be involved because, you know, Kendall's at every step of the way, Kendall's ready to fucking push her out. Right. And, and I think that she knew, and like I said, based on her, her dealings in the, in the political world that, you know, they, they write those hit pieces all the time, leaks and all this shit. And, you know, what she did, what her dad did to Kendall and kind of had her do it as well. So yeah, she's no dummy. And <clears throat> she, she knew, she knows from the jump that it's Kendall with the leaks. Yeah. Right. I mean, listen, 
you, you both and myself included have been in some long-term relationships, maybe even married at this point. We have all seen the face that Shiv, Shiv makes when she thinks to herself, all right, I'm going to let this go for now, but I'm filing this away for another time when I can bring it up during a fight. Like that face was clearly just like, all right, I'll let this go right now and just move on with my day. Yeah. But yeah, she definitely sussed them out. Uh, so the gang gets to Norway and <laughs> they get to they get to Chairman Matson's re-education camp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a good line. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Kendall and Roman um, have a phone call. But if you notice right before uh, Roman picks up the phone, he pulls out a, a bottle of pills. Do you guys I think that that's anything that. that we need to keep an eye on going forward here? I, in the in the previous episode, he does pick up that bottle of Advil off Logan's desk in his office, which, yeah, it's just Advil, but I, it's very intentional that they had him pick up that bottle of pills. Is Do you think that this is kind of a storyline that we're going to see going forward with him? Ryan? Um, I mean... They are being intentional with it. Like they don't show you shit like that without trying to hint that something's going on. I don't I mean, based on his little speech at the end of the episode, which I'm sure we'll talk about extensively, it sounds like Roman's not as together as he may be um acting. So I think something's definitely up. And I mean, th- they could be it could be anything. It could be fucking antacids or something. We don't know. Yeah. But something's definitely up that he's medicating for. Yeah. What about you, Robbie? What you, would you think about that intentional kind of scene with the pills there? Yeah, I feel like this show doesn't really uh, like do things unintentionally, I guess. I feel like that that was done on purpose. I don't, I don't know if it's going to lead to something big, but I think you're we're definitely going to come back to something like that with either pills or drugs or something like that with Roman. I definitely think that something is going to come uh, because there's no way they, they didn't just linger on that shot just to do it. I don't think, I mean, I, you've got, we've known over these past three and a half seasons now. They're uh, it's definitely not unintentional. Yeah. Didn't he also though, like get a couple other things like from his, like, a toiletry bag yeah he was unpacking a little bit yeah. but I, I just felt like they because it, honestly if they didn't have that scene with the pills in the office last week yeah. i don't think i would have thought too much of it but they kind of like it, it wasn't a big thing last week and like i said it was only advil but like he was like messing around with the pill bottle then he yeah. took the advil you know it just seemed like <clears throat> you know, a lot of either foreshadowing or a lot of emphasis. Yeah. On, I don't, on th- I don't disagree. There. There's probably something up. Um, but I also wouldn't be shocked if it was just like, that was a, um, just part of his unpacking. I don't know. They could be fucking vitamins or boner pills or something. <laughs> or yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing you always got to consider now is we're running out of time to tell right. the story. So yeah. how deep can they get into like, yeah. How many Roman... B plots can they get? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the guys move along. Uh, they head up to the summit while the rest of the crew is offered brunch. Uh, Kendall goes over the strategy and what their price, uh, what their plans are for negotiating the price. And our man, the con heads <laughs> are again, eating right. Uh, they get interrupted by a call from Connor 
he is saying that Marsha is wanting to put Logan in a kilt in his casket. Uh, and the guys give him carte blanche on what he should do. Bad move. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so happy to see our boy, boy Connor, even though he gave, you know, he had to cancel on a room full of working class whites wherever he was. And unbelievable. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems like the, you know, the, the honeymoon state tour is on pause for the minute. Uh, but hopefully we get some more from Connor soon. Um, what, wait, real quick. How much you want to bet, uh, Logan is dressed up like fucking Napoleon. I, yo, I was, <laughs> I saw someone mention that too. And yep. I was like, that, that, that lines up. That's good. Uh, but I wanted to tie this in with the brunch scene before we start getting into a lot of the negotiating. Uh, we see Hugo loading up his plate uh, before the, the Gojo team comes in. Uh, Tom tries to get in with Oscar and Hugo shits the bed with Andreas Block. <laughs> <laughs> who came, do you think, who came off worse in that scene? Do you think it was Tom or do you think it was Hugo, Robbie? Uh, I think it was Hugo, man. Hugo, save some for the rest of us, man. Give me some muffs. <laughs> Did, Did you notice, too, that big pastry that he had on his plate was big... put there by the other guy? Yeah, I was about to say that. Who is That was the guy from Bar on the Floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, Yeah, they, he put the pastry on, on Hugo's plate. I think, man, I mean, so awkward with Tom sometimes, but I think Hugo definitely came off as uh, as the weaker link in that scene. Um I think it was ten time, didn't Tom point out about them them filling themselves up with yeah. all patients stuff like that? So I, I think he knew. Um, but it was man, Hugo made himself look like an mm-hmm. idiot, especially when when he went up to Andreas and talking about uh how he almost. How, how he almost came in uh he got the bronze at Sochi as uh Hugo's pencil neck is nowhere near as athletic and and strong yeah. as Andreas. So yeah, Hugo came off uh came off very, very weak in that scene. Yeah. Don't you listen, you go to a new place with people that you don't know. You do not load up on food until you know that the situation is safe. That's yeah. that's I mean, that's rule number one for going to a a, a plated affair. Come on. <laughs> do you think Hugo was taking the piss on purpose or no? Because it seems like we get we got that scene earlier when they got to Norway that he knew that that was like a choke job by Andreas. And then like, he kept pushing that point. Uh, do you think he was kind of like trying to needle him purposely? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think yeah he was I... Trying, just trying to get under his skin, but it's cause he has a fast metabolism cause he's dynamic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so the guys meet with Matson. Uh, I have here that Matson tries to intimidate them. He tells him he wants ATN and he ups the offer from what was the original offer of $144 per share to $187 per share. The boys uh, bring the offer back to the Graybeards. Carl needs to tuck his boner away, and Frank nearly <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> Robbie, what did you think about the negotiations? How did you think uh, the boys did? Well, I think the boys got their ass kicked. Um, I think that Madison came in there and, you know, in intimidating as ever i mean massively tall had the uh i know we did last summer raincoat on he had the hood on uh you know very took his jacket off he had the chiseled physique <laughs> that i don't think that was done on on uh 
I don't think that was done on purpose. I think that was done for a reason. But I think that he just he just bullied them, man. I, I the entire episode was him just bullying them. They they're they think they're so cool and so business savvy that once they get into a room with somebody, they can't even negotiate properly. Like it, he just had them from from the get go uh, about you know, nobody nobody gave me sympathy for my dad when I and I found my dad in a uh, in the car dead and yeah. even. Even when Frank, that little little solid thing, like Frank was like, you know, your dad used to go in there and tell him a joke. You know, and then why don't you try and do that? And they didn't. But yeah, Madsen was the one that started off with the joke when he's like, I want to buy your company for one dollar. Yeah. And he joked with him. So um, you know, Madsen for whatever he is, man, he he was he's mm-hmm. business savvy and he and he is a younger version of of Logan. And they got they got played in uh in the in that first negotiation scene they got bushwhacked yeah i think you know you saw so much of that was him constantly putting them on their heels and either cutting them off or like you said saying non-serious things robbie like with the buying the company for a dollar um he just was bullying them around and every time he did something like that they both froze and just looked at each other they're both looking at each other for for you know you take the lead you take the lead but i just thought it was he from the second he told them that they outnumbered him and they outmaneuvered him he already won because they already they immediately gave in even just having just carl or just frank with them in there or even shiv you know we see later on shiv you know has some type of connection with him or knows what to say to kind of break the tension in the moment with him um, going in there by themselves. They were already behind the eight ball. What'd you think, Ryan? Do you think that um, if they went in solo, like Roman or Kendall, not both of them, that it would have went better. Cause I feel like they set this whole thing up with them both talking like over each other. And it was just like a jumbled mess. And then, yeah, they both like froze. And I don't know if it was, inexperience or that they didn't want to step on the other one. Like you definitely, my assumption is you want to go in there. You don't want to contradict each other. So maybe they felt like they weren't on the same page and they didn't want to fuck anything up. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he, he steamrolled them. Um, do you think that one eight seven was a conscious choice? Could have been. It could have yeah. been. What do you, do you guys think that, I mean, Kendall, when he walks out, he, he says that he thinks ATN is an emotional ploy to them. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously as, as the episode develops later on, he really makes it a sticking point. Do you think that's because it is so emotional to them and he kind of wants to get one up on them or, <laughs> you know, he's really interested in uh, taking ATN Robbie. I think it might be 50-50 or maybe 60-40. I think that it's an emotional play, but I also think he wants to kind of take ATN and, like he said, make it make it like a Bloomberg, kind of. So I do think it's it's definitely an emotional ploy because I think he knows how Kendall and Roman feel about that because that was their dad's, you know, quote-unquote baby. So I think that it's definitely an emotional ploy, but I, also think, I just think he just wants to get this company and just fucking gut it like a fish. So yeah, I I just think he's 
he's just a ruthless ruthless character so yeah i definitely think it's a little bit of both but yeah yeah he says later on that's a part shop he's definitely like he doesn't think that this is a like a disney like a brand it's just a bunch of good parts that he's gonna eat or in his mind reorganize or use in a different way or whatever i'm curious and i know this is maybe more later on in the episode but like does Matson seem like overly enthusiastic about buying this to you guys like i feel like something's up like he wants it to be done now like something's going on where he can't wait to do this uh, i don't know what it is maybe maybe i'm reading too much into it but did you guys catch that at all does it seem like he's like like he he's like i need to make this deal now is he just imp- an impatient dude i don't know I, I i agree with you i think you're making a good point like there's something more there yeah I, I think he's very impulsive but he's also in a way let this thing stretch out for a long time and hasn't given up on it so while he doesn't seem enthusiastic it seems like there's something else there like there's Something's something up. Yeah, there's something underneath the surface. Maybe he just, you know, he wants the the cachet of buying a company that big and getting into the U.S. market, getting involved with U.S. media. Maybe he loves roller coasters and he just wants to get into <laughs> into that uh, into the Waystar theme parks. Yeah, I just don't get like. Waystar seems like a behemoth company, but it seems like it's a shitty company to me from from watching the show and like i'm just curious why my assumption is gojo is kind of like a a lean cool you know big company don't get me wrong but like i I don't know something just feels off to me with this with his interest in it in the first place but also his enthusiasm to like make this deal soon like like if he can buy this company then he can claim that he has companies in two different countries and it fucks with criminal extradition or something i have no idea i'm i don't know something's something's weird with this yeah i don't know i I never really gave that a thought i think you guys put that eloquently well but i never really thought of it like that i feel like but benny said i feel like it's been stretched out for so long that maybe he's just getting impatient or maybe he wants to get things done and get the sale maybe. done maybe before the election starts. Who knows? Yeah, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just I just got that feeling. It could um, be a thing too with like he's buying a lot of intellectual property. Like you see companies yeah. do that a lot of times. They like a technology or they like something, you know, specific that a company does and they buy the company and just integrates it into what they're doing. Maybe he really desperately wants Calypsotron hibernation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what a shit show. Speaking <laughs> of shit show at the fuck factory. That's right. Um, so the guys meet up with Shiv and tell him tell her that um men, uh excuse me, that Matson now wants ATN. Uh, but we also get a little nugget here that Roman has kind of gotten Menk in a back door in at ATN. Um, so I think we're going to now start to move into a lot of the, the election type stuff here. Uh, but ultimately Shiv is on board with the deal. She says that ATN is toxic and they can get rid of it and then move forward with Pierce. Um, did you guys have any thoughts on the scene? Like with banking getting in, do you guys have any theories of what's possibly coming on that with that? Either one. Maybe it's 
maybe I'm tying my previous theory into this, but me and maybe Madsen has something in which he wants ATN for the presidential election. Like maybe something's going on that he made a deal with Mencken or one of the candidates or something. I don't know. Just he wants he wants the connections. Yeah, or something. So, something with his urgency is up. Like, and then, yeah, that's what I think. Like he clearly wants ATN. I'm not sure if it's a emotional thing. Like he's just trying to fuck them because of whatever reason. I think something's going on that we're gonna find out at some point. At least I think. Yeah, I do. I do find it funny that the parallels of that Mankin having a backdoor to the, to ATN is just. Uh, kind of like when Fox News called, um, what, Arizona for Biden? And supposedly they had like uh, calls to Rupert Murdoch to to do whatever he could to kind of switch that and, and kind of yeah. not call that for Biden. So I feel like it's so crazy the parallels, how they how they take from, from real life. And like obviously it was scary in real life, but, but men can have an... The backdoor at ATN and, and being briefed on things like that is fucking scary as well. I think, too, like this whole episode is really like building a case that these kids are just so not ready for this job. Like they're, I mean, ob- you know, obviously at the end of the day, they get a great deal for the company, but they bundle the negotiations. Roman is doing things behind the scenes that are just not like even Shiv says like you cross the line that dad, you know, even dad had lines and he's crossing those lines. Kendall is basically smearing the company, you know, to, to do what he needs to do. So I think this episode, while some of us had high hopes for what the boys were going to do in the leadership role, just shows you like how not ready they are for this position. Yeah. Like you said, sorry. Like if anything's taught us in these three and a half seasons is is they are fucking idiots they're idiots and that's and i feel like i feel like this country gives these ceos and all these people like i don't know they they like they suck their dick and and a lot of these guys man aren't as smart as they think they are and that's the thing that i love about this show and in real life i love when people who think that there's these super smart individuals get fucking brought down a few pegs and are, you know, exposed as just smooth operators and not as smart and stupid. I love that. And I don't know what it says about me, um, whatever, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I love. About, I love about this show. It's like Kendall thinks that he is so fucking smart, dude. And he gets fucking destroyed in every fucking meeting room. Yeah. I think too, like Kendall is, is his buzzwords are just going crazy this week, but you know, I, I thought too, I think this little scene, I think kind of the purpose of it was when the three of them actually do work together and put their heads together, they have good ideas. But then as soon as they all break up, each one's trying to stab the other one in the back. And that's when things break down. So, you know, you see if they could all just stay together and get on the same page, they could be the killer. They could be, they could handle things like Logan, but they just cannot help themselves when they're on their own. Their egos just get in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So we move on to the, I guess, the outdoor lunch kind of session. Uh, and we get a little Tom and Greg. And Greg tells Tom the dirty rumor about 
Matson wearing noise canceling headphones and listens to podcasts during sex, which is a shout out to, I guess, those stories that came out about Leonardo DiCaprio a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Matson, I know you're listening. Go a little slower. <laughs> Take it easy with the bean pole there. Yeah. Um, Greg tells Tom that there's a kill list. Then Greg goes and meets with the siblings and proposes the quad squad. Anybody? The family? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> uh, Tom goes to meet with Matson. They kind of put him in a no-win situation by asking about France. Uh, Tom tells him that nobody cares about France in America. We have our own Paris, and if it burns to the ground, we'll just build a new Paris. Uh, Greg, our resident economist reader, lets us know that the baguette is mightier than the bagel. Even close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Gojo crew mocks Greg. There are a couple people online that translated what um, the they were saying, and one of them called him seven feet of nepotism, which I thought was a great <laughs> insult. <laughs> uh, Kendall actually ends up defending Greg here, uh, and then he gets kind of, you know, they get into it with Matson, and they re-enter the negotiations right there at the table. Uh, they argue about ATN, the value of the network, and what Ryan mentioned before, how it's you know basically a, a good part shop, but not a great value. And when the, I guess, I mean, there is a, a, con a contester for insult of the episode, but Matson calls the kids a tribute band. And I think that's when Cold. things get super icy. Uh, what did you guys think? I know we there's a lot there, but they're all kinds of short little snippets. Take your pick, Quad Squad, Tom and Greg going to each other. Uh, his thoughts on France. Ryan, what are your thoughts on kind of any one of these situations here? Well, I think at this point, it looks like Greg's trying to break away from Tom a little bit. Like he's just like, I'm not your whipping boy anymore. Um, and maybe trying to hitch his wagon to the kids, to the siblings. Um, and I think uh, some of the other things that, that was said in Swedish was they were talking about like the Habsburgs and incest and something like that. Yeah. When they found out they were all, you know, family. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, the tribute band, that's fucking, that is ice that cold. Hurts. That's so good. What a good insult. Yeah. I thought just the, it, it's so true though. What Tom says, I think in that scene when he's sitting at the table about how nobody cares about France, like they're not, gonna pay attention to it at all i, I honestly thought that was a, a much better response than i expected where that scene was gonna go i thought it was just kind of stumble over his words a little bit but i thought it's so awkward sometimes yeah but in the grand scheme of things you know he did tell the truth in that situation uh yeah. robbie what, what are your thoughts on these kind of like micro scenes we had here uh the quad squad awesome loved it <laughs> well, i agree with ryan i think that this is like the first i don't know if it's the first inkling of Greg now trying to break away from Tom. I think even even he goes tries to go back at him after he he uh, hits him with the oh the Economist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play. See who play. See who play. <laughs> no, but he goes, he's like no, hold on, hold on. But I think that yeah, I think um now Greg's got a little hitch on with Kendall. They're back. The two the two bros are back. I did love that tribute band line. He he kills Kendall two times this episode with the tribute band line, and he says, "Lecture me, vulture guy." And yeah. those oh, are, that was good too. 
Those are just two assassin fucking second government aggressing all type fucking bullets <laughs> that he hits him with. But I I mean, again, man, like just just the acting in this scene alone, it was very tense. And I just love them just entering negotiations, right? While everybody's having a couple couple brews, a couple of probably micro brews, maybe and a couple of acts throwing in the background and uh yeah. a couple of pigs being uh being roasted. So I thought it was a great scene. Yeah, I think too when he says you know, the one thing I'll give Kendall for uh, credit for is when he does throw that vaulter line at him, he lets it like roll right off him, and just says, yeah. "Hey, I took a big swing and I missed." Yeah. And you know, I think previously that's something that Kendall would have like get to him, and he would have spiraled a little bit there. Uh, but I thought he handled that well. Uh, like I mentioned before, Shiv has that comment to break the tension. Just says, "Are we good?" And that kind of calms things down for the moment there. Um, but again, another one of my favorite lines here was when Matson says about the deal, I am what I am, what I am. And Rome just goes, <laughs> okay, Popeye. <Yeah. laughs> um, all right. We didn't so, talk about what you call. I'm sorry yet as, as, um, the, just the beautiful, uh, scenery, scenery. in Norway. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Loved it. I, I loved when they were driving up to the hotel, that waterfall yeah. was just the windy road. Yeah. Can we also talk quickly about, I noticed specifically Roman, Robbie, as our resident fashion expert, what did you think of Roman's jackets, sweaters, and overall outfits? Because I fucking loved them. I loved them. I loved his entire look, the, the whole episode. I didn't like his hair in the beginning, in the office, you know, slick back old, like season yeah, one, no. season two, Roman. I like when his hair is just naturally flowing. But uh, I loved his jacket. I thought I thought they had, you know, fantastic Fantastic uh, alpha choices for Roman this this, season, uh, this episode. He had two specifically uh, a sweater that I loved. Even Kate, uh, Katie said that she's like, "You love that sweater." I was like, "I fucking love that love sweater." It. And then he had a jacket that had like a squarish hood. I loved it. Yeah, he that that um cardigan he was wearing was giving me big Logan vibes. Yeah. That looks like one of the things he was wearing. I think it was in the first episode of this season. With but his uh, Logan's had the those gold buttons on them but yeah nope. the, the the fit game was strong i think from everybody yeah. this episode except tom we'll get to that a little bit later on yeah <laughs> um, blinding people yeah and we did so after shiv gives that uh calms the tensions down there we get our first and maybe only sauna chant on hbo <laughs> <laughs> uh and we cut to our boys you know the fearsome twosome Frank and Carl in their robes have sharing a drink and making fun of everybody sitting in the in the sauna. Uh, Carl says that everybody looks like what did he say? Peking duck. Peking duck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so shout out to our two old gray beards, the two our two favorites there. Um. So Kendall and Roman meet, and uh, okay. So next thing we have is that we transition into like that tent party that they had. Right. Um, Ebba gets an awkward interaction with Matson as he's introducing her to Shiv. Yep. Uh, more on that later. And then before Matson and Shiv meet up, Kendall and Roman meet to decide uh, whether or not to kill the deal. Roman ends up being on board and they want to stay together as CEOs. Uh, <laughs> did you guys notice that like ominous music yeah. in the background? I feel like any time that they're like Kendall's making a move this season, there's been like some ominous music going on in the background. Fucking Kendall Veda. 
Yeah. I didn't notice I gotta I gotta go back and watch. I, I didn't even notice that. I feel but like I, it's foreshadowing. Yeah. I what well, yeah, it, it might be because he just fucks everything. He everything he touches turns to shit. What has he yeah. done that's been successful in this whole series? Nothing. I mean he had a pretty great rap. He, you know, even though he kind of came off like a dick, he threw a pretty good birthday party. Eh. Did I think <laughs> Jess did that, not him. True, true. Uh, but I love how they're CEOs for a fucking day, and they're like, "I love this. We should keep doing it." Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think Thank we. Did, I think we've been doing a good job. It's like yeah, it's yeah. Less, been less than twenty hours. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Um, but let's move on to probably, I guess, the biggest scene in this episode. It's the meeting between Matson and Shiv. They're sharing drinks. Yeah. Uh, Matson offers Shiv either Coke or Molly. They don't really confirm what it was. I think it probably ends up being Molly. Uh, but Shiv, Shiv doesn't do it. She kind of right. messes around with the tube for a little bit and puts it down. Also, I noticed fake sips of the alcohol. I think it was fake sips or maybe little baby sips. Like you can have, I'm not condoning any alcohol during pregnancy, but like you can have like a little and it's okay. Yeah. But I think it was fake sips or, or baby sips. Like, so, so no one would know, but she also didn't want to fucking be drinking while she's pregnant. doing any damage. Yeah. Uh, the fucking, uh, uh edge lords on the internet were like, she's drinking. What a piece of shit. Like, yeah, she's trying to kill the baby. Yeah. Right. Fuck you. Uh, and then we get into a story from Matson about sending Ebba uh, frozen blood <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> uh, Shiv vouches during this conversation in in some way for Carolina and Jerry, and I think that plays a role into what happens later in the episode. Yep. But what did you guys think of this Matson story? I mean, you can give me kind of your top line thoughts on it, or do you think it was a true story, Robbie? I think question. so, because I think he's a fucking psychopath, dude. I really did, because, I mean, what else could it be? It was That other girl, Ebba, was very, very awkward around him the entire episode. And she was just awkward in general. I don't know if that's European, uh, Norwegian people in general. But uh, <laughs> I just think that something had to be true. He definitely did something. And if it's sending blood to this person, then, I mean, it's fucking insane. But it also, either way... Shiv now has something in her back pocket just in case she wants to go after Matson and kind of scare off investors because this guy's fucking sending liters of his fucking blood <laughs> to somebody repeatedly. I feel like... It... Go, go ahead, ahead, Benny. I was going to say, what do you think a half liter brick of blood even looks like? How well, big Ryan, is that? Ryan, as a resident vampire expert, <laughs> how big is a brick? It's about this big, and I'm pretty sure a half liter... Would weigh approximately two and a half pounds. Really? Wow. Something that's, like that. Because a, a full liter of blood weighs like almost five pounds, I think. I saw this. Wow. I don't just know this. I saw this on the internet <laughs> yesterday. So I think you're he, a big True Blood fan. <laughs> no, I hate that show. Um, I think so. Basically, if his story is correct, he sent uh, Ebba like over 10 pounds of blood. Like that's fucked up. I think that it's it's potentially more than that because he says he did it and it wasn't a joke. Yeah. And he did it so long that it became a joke. Yes. 
And then he was doing it so long that it became not a joke again. Yeah. So how that's a that's got to take like gotta weeks be a and weeks. Yeah, I think. But I think your question is good because I think it's definitely possible that that is an untrue story. And he is just coming up with some absolutely asinine, ridiculous story to tell Shiv to see what her reaction is and also see if that leaks. So if Shiv was going to leak that stuff, it probably would have came out just like um, Kendall's bullshit came out and um, Matson knew. So like it could have been a test. It could have been to see what her reaction was or to see if she would leak it. Um, I mean, this whole weekend is a test of all of them. Yeah. And it clear it clearly Shiv clearly wins of everybody because Shiv is him and Shiv are have a i guess friendly relationship whatever you want to call it maybe there's some sexual tension there who knows but everyone that she mentioned is safe so like shiv definitely won this weekend in Matson's eyes um so i don't i mean it very well could be a true story but it also couldn't couldn't i don't know yeah i'm so yeah i've gone back and forth on this like five or six times because you know, we talk about how this show is very straightforward and there's not like that hidden chess move. So I kind of think that maybe it was true. But like you said, it, it's such an outlandish and wild story that like it does kind of seem like it would be one of those things where if like that comes out, you know who told the story. Like right. nobody else, you know, so it's either. Yeah, I don't know, man. I keep like you can talk to me 20 minutes from now and I'll tell you that it was fake right now. I'm kind of landing on that. It's true. I think um, he he obviously has some type of connection with Shiv. You know, they, they seem to have a good rapport. I, I don't know, man. It's such a head scratcher for me. Robbie, do, do you think it's true? I have to. I, I really do believe that it's true. I don't. I don't know, man. I, I don't know why it wouldn't be other than like they said, like just to leak it. And he knows that Shiv is the one that, that leaked the story because he's the only one that told her that's that made up story. But I don't know, man, I've seen so much of this guy, this episode to, to believe that he's a fucking psychopath that he would do this. I, I just, I can't believe that they would make, they would write this to be a, a made up story. I don't know. I, I I never I never thought of it as being made up in the moment. I'm sorry. A blood a a liter of blood is two point three one five pounds. Okay, so he's sending her a pound at a time. Yeah, about a pound at a time. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just it's so it's such a crazy story, right? Like, I don't know why would you tell somebody that that you've known for. I mean, months? Is that something you would share? I wouldn't even share that with you, Robbie, if that was something that I did. And I've known you my whole life. Yes. No. <laughs> so it just seems it just seems pretty crazy, man. I don't know, man. It's maybe it's he, wild. Yeah, that's what I think. Maybe it's fucking a bullshit story. Like he's seeing, he said later that Scooby doing him. Maybe he's just coming up with ridiculous shit to see who's, who's uh, in the mystery machine fucking solving crimes. Yeah. I don't know. Well, one, I guess we'll. One, I hope we'll find out. One thing I like about Shiv, though, I mean, she is what she is, but she definitely has the the humor and the uh, 
the humor factor with the, like the personality factor that Logan had. And I think that's what, you know, kind of bring as like Matt Sinabasi says, like he likes her. And, and I think that he, he reminds her or whatever it is of, of Logan. So I think that's what I like about Shiv, man. She knows how to, uh, I mean, obviously she can't fucking take a joke, but she's able to eat parlay that and play around with somebody and make somebody feel comfortable to tell them that, Hey, listen, I just fucking sent 85 pounds of butt to some random fucking my head of comms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he also said that on purpose though, like that, that she reminds him of Logan to like, cause you know, she wants to hear that. Of course she does. Yeah. Buttering her up. I don't know too, if that's a thing that he knows Shiv wants to hear. Or he kind of figures they all just want to hear that, but yeah, it definitely it definitely hit her the hardest, and she definitely you know she loves getting that compliment. What do you guys think though? Is she the most like Logan? I know I think Robbie, you kind of mentioned it earlier on that you thought that, that was the case, but of the three of them, do you think she's maybe the biggest killer or the one that can kind of embody some of Logan's traits? I think she embodies Logan's traits. I don't know if she's a killer. I don't really know if any of them are a fucking killer. I think Kendall wants to be a killer, but I don't think he could kill a fucking bunny outside if he wanted to. That'd be kind of creepy, but still. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I think when you get I think when you get deep down into it, I think the fucking the con man is the fucking true killer of the family. <laughs> I think he's just gonna fucking snap one day, and he's just gonna fucking go after it. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be right. I, I think, I think Shiv is is m- m- most likely has uh, you know, most of the, the traits as her dad. Not a killer, but the majority of it. I do believe that. Yeah, I think per- her personality is the most like Logan, but she doesn't have as much experience as Roman and Kendall. Yeah. So in that sense, they may come across as more like Logan. But I think if she had the same experience, like when we saw the limited amount of work she was doing in the political realm, like she seemed competent and like knew what she was doing. Um, I feel like she could be similarly skilled in the business world if she actually had some experience. But I don't, I mean, at this point, we're not going to get that. Yeah. So we, we, this scene hangs on us. We don't see them say goodnight. So there might be possibly more that happened, more that they discussed. I think well, sex. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, the way she talks to Tom, uh, it might have happened. But I-, I think we'll come back to it. What I think at the end of the episode, um, because I think there might have been more to the conversation uh, yeah. here. I think but they right. definitely I think intentionally they kind of leave us where, you know, where they did on purpose. Um, so Kendall starts putting the wheels in motions to tank the deal. Uh, he puts out bad press on the meeting through Greg and he sets up a screening of Calypsotron hibernation, everybody's <laughs> favorite movie. Um, so our girl Jess takes care of the details on that and somehow gets a 4k projector and a, uh, a copy of the movie to show the next morning. And as they're showing the movie, we get, uh, a quick battle of wits between Tom and Shiv. They trade insults. Uh, we find out Shiv's earlobes are thick and chewy like barnacle meat. <laughs> <laughs> and that not only is Tom a wiry spelunker, 
but his shoes are way too white. Uh, what did you guys think about this this battle of the wits between the two uh, former lovers, Ryan? Shiv, listen, it's a good thing they're outside because Shiv was so wet after he hit her ear. <laughs> it would have been a mess inside. She she wants him back. That's all he had to do. That that's what back at her. You think that that's what turned the tide here? Oh, Robbie, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with Ryan. I think that when he went back at her and hit it, flicked the ear, I think she was the juices were flowing, and <laughs> I think one of uh, Madsen's people needed to go get a mop and uh, clean up clean up that little aisle three section <laughs> that she was in because she doesn't love anything more than when somebody goes back at her. And uh, yeah, I, I'm 100 percent in agreement with with you, Ryan. I think that 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 turned her on when Tom went back at her, even though his shoes are as white as the sun. <laughs> I mean, so, I think there's still something up with her and Matson. She may play both sides or or whatever, but I definitely think something is going to happen with her and Tom. Whether they fully get back together, I don't. That remains to be seen. I don't know, but she definitely enjoyed that little interaction. So. What you're saying is, depending on how cold it was outside, Andreas Block could have had a second chance at setting a world record. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so, what did you guys think was the best insult of the of the week? Was it uh, the tribute band insult or thick earlobes uh, that were chewy like barnacle meat? I mean, tribute band was was better for me, but the barnacle meat was was more descriptive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the tribute band the tribute band st- stuck and like a knife right in your right in your gut, but that barnacle meat line was fucking hilarious and so uh, out of left field that it was one of the best lines of the night and if not in, in the entire series <laughs> filled with great lines. There's she that. have thick earlobes? I've never even noticed. No, she doesn't. I looked at the second time, you know, when I was watching the second time around. They're just normal earlobes. <laughs> Um, but there's something to me about such an oddly specific insult where like the more specific you get with something, the better it lands with me. So uh, for yeah. me, it's uh, thick and chewy like barnacle meat. That's the, the insult of the week. Um, so now we're getting into the kind of the end of the episode here and the final negotiation between um, Matson and the boys. But on the way up, Connor sends Roman a dead dad pick. Uh, and I think <laughs> that kind of, I think maybe played into what we see towards the end of the episode here, because yeah. obviously, you know, we got that scene earlier where Roman does not want a picture of Logan. Um, he's clearly, like we mentioned, you know, the pre-grieving probably didn't work. So Roman's kind of on a pinhead here and anything can kind of push him in one direction or the other. And I think we see it here in the final meeting between Matson and the CE bros, uh, Kendall and Roman start dropping Intel about the company that may cause concerns. Matson isn't buying it, pushes the kids about Logan. Roman snaps and tells Matson off while he's ripping a piss. Uh, he tells Matson he hates him and they're not selling to him. Uh, I think the first thing we have to acknowledge here is this is probably Kieran Culkin's best moment of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that scene and that telling off of Matson here is just like, was just phenomenal. Robbie, what'd you think about this scene? 
Yeah, uh, I was going to say that this this is probably my favorite Kieran Culkin scene of this entire run, and I think it's one of one of my favorite scenes of this entire series. Not just this episode, not just this season. I think the entire all around show. I loved it. Uh, you could like it. You could literally feel him. The, you know the emotion in him in this in this scene. I thought it was so well uh, acted and so well written. And yeah, like you said, I think a hundred percent. Like seeing a picture of his dad going up, going up there, really just played a factor into this. And I just loved how he just went after him, even though it's not. You know, a good idea to let let this guy know you're taking a deal and, and to kind of show your emotions. But man, he 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 killed it, and it it's was such a great emotional scene. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Kieran Culkin was great in the scene. I love that it was basically everything he was saying was just like, have some fucking compassion, man. Like our dad just died. Like, what is wrong with you? I hate your guts and. I I mean yeah I don't know the I don't know if it's there's legalities surrounding this that you shouldn't be saying this kind of stuff like he kept saying you know if if anyone asked it was a negotiating tactic um but it was a great scene I was hoping the entire time that someone would fucking tell Matson to shut the fuck up cuz he's just such a prick um and it's funny that like you're rooting for people that are also assholes to tell another asshole to go fuck himself. Yeah. And I mean, you're rooting for the assholes that we know instead of the asshole that we don't really know. It's true. Yeah. And Kendall just standing there. It's stoic. Uh, I almost feel like he kind of did that earlier. You know, they got bodied in that initial meeting, but then after that, I don't know if it was because they were like, fuck it, we're going to tank it. So then Kendall was like, well, I'm going to be stoic and not give away anything if that was a conscious effort, but like, I felt like that was actually the right move to not get involved and just let uh, Roman go at him and then walk away. What'd you think, Benny? So before I get into what I think, I, I want to just comment on what you said about, you know, the legalities of what they were doing. The issue uh, likely is you have a, if you're a corporation, you have a duty to your shareholders to negotiate you, in good faith to negotiate in good faith. But not only that, but when you get a good deal, right. you don't just scuttle the deal because you don't like the person that you're right. negotiating with. So True. for, for him to tell you, fuck you, we're not doing the deal with you because we hate you. Yeah. If he put out, you know, a big deal, uh, excuse me, if he put out a really high price. Um, and I think, you know, what we see at the end is, is kind of reminiscent to when Kendall tries to bear hug Logan Right. Uh, he, you know, he puts such a big offer on the table that if they say, no, we're not doing the deal, not only would they probably lose the, their board, but if they can, uh, excuse me, not only would they lose their positions from the board, if the deal ultimately falls through and never happens, they could take legal action against them yeah, because that's they, true. because they, they lost the money. Right. Um, as far as, you know, this scene again, you know, you guys said it all with how well it was acted, but th that moment where Roman decides fuck it and he just kind of like does that thing where he just throws his head back and he's like all right I'm I'm all like fuck it I'm doing this. Yeah. I thought that was just like such a you know such a great choice with what he did there. The him saying that you know my sister's fucked up, my brother 
is going crazy and I'm just, I'm gone. I'm dead. You know, we never, the only other time we saw Roman get so real and like honest was, has been since Logan died, whether it's his initial reaction to the situation or with what happened with Kerry. Um, but he, this really has Roman off his game in like a public setting where he, even as he's walking away, he's like, you fucking piece of shit. Like, I just thought the way he handled that scene, it just felt so real. And like, you felt the emotion there. Um, You know, like you mentioned, Kendall just kind of standing there and letting it all happen, not getting involved because I'm sure he felt a lot of the same things. I'm sure most people would be quick to step in and be like, Hey, 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 calm down, calm down. But because he's feeling a lot of those same things towards Roman, he just lets him go. And maybe part of that is he feels that way, but the other part might have been, well, if we want to fucking tank the deal, we're doing a great job tanking the deal. So it's it's kind of like 50-50 for me on that. Yeah. But just the way and that... also maybe Kendall's just like, yeah, Roman did that. I didn't tell him to do that. Which, you know what? I didn't even think about that. It's such a good point because we, you know, we've seen uh, Kendall since they took over always find a way to try to like, stab the other ones in the back or push him out or go behind Roman's back, push him out. So that's a, that's a really good point. Um, but I just think the constant needling from Matson, man, like he, not that I think he was expecting exactly that to happen, but he was definitely pushing them and he was trying to get some sort of reaction from the two of them. The way he was talking about their dad constantly, your dad, your dad, your dad, that, you know, this is how we ended up in this spot. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, like an SEC uh, kind of break over there by trying to, uh, like you said, tank to deal without letting you know running it by the board first and shit like that. So yeah, he's a uh, he's uh, a little screwed, but obviously not after like you said how they come back at the end with the massive massive uh, deal that Matson lays out. Uh, yeah, so any final thoughts on this scene here? I know the last part of it is we get uh, the boys down waiting for the lift where Roman's just kind of like out of it. And Kendall says, well, you know, we fucked up, but maybe it's the right thing in the end. Any final thoughts here before we head to the plane? Nah, I think we covered it, unless Robbie has anything. Yeah, I just want to know how many times are you going up and down that lift before you're saying, I'm fucking, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why we see Matson take off in the helicopter. Take the helicopter. <laughs> He's like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not this doing a, that shit. I this got a better funny. use for my five minutes. Yeah, this yeah. is creepy. Um, all right, so we get to the plane on the way home. Matson calls Frank. The new offer is $194 per share. I thought it was Shiv 92 looks... Is that what I said? What did I say? Four. You said four. Uh, $192 per share. Yes. Uh, Shiv is looking very proud of herself. Shiv meets with Tom and offers her uh, basically the head of ATN and to fire Sid and extends a dinner invitation. Mm. What do we think, Brian? Uh, is it looking good for your prediction here that they're going to get back together? Uh, I mean, the wheels are in motion. She's got the baby. He flicked her ear. <laughs> offered for dinner. I mean, that's a trifecta of relationship is back on in my mind so no i mean i think it's definitely possible i think it's on the table a little bit we'll see what happens um but i also think shiv was definitely feeling herself so who knows if if she's 
upset in the future if she'll take it out on Tom. You know, I don't know. Maybe she's like, uh, you know, because like you mentioned before, there may have been conversation with Shiv and Matson, yeah, where she was like, just fucking offer a sweetheart deal to directly to you know Frank or Carl or one of the board, and it'll get done. Um, so she might have been feeling herself like she outfoxed her brothers, she outfoxed Matson. Let me go get some some safe dick to borrow uh, a term from uh, shrinking. If you haven't watched, so Tom's Tom's safe dick because she's already been there. Robbie, what do you think? I don't know. Sometimes I like shit, but then sometimes she does this annoying shit to me where she's really starting to feel herself, and and she kind of pisses me off. <laughs> um, I don't know what she's doing with Tom because. I, I don't want to like in the you know watch what happens in the next fucking six episodes montage I did a few weeks ago that you sh- you see Shiv like again just bullying Tom in a scene where she's just shitting on him, so I don't know what her play is. I think this the dinner thing is maybe she's getting a little a little horny, you know, and she, she wants a little Tom, <laughs> little Tom Dick and Harry, but I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. I don't. I think it's just to tell him that she's pregnant and you know offering him. The head of ATN, whatever is 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 whatever with that. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I just think the dinner is just basically just to tell him that you know she's pregnant and whatnot, and probably to just keep on fucking belittling him in the future. Yeah, it could be. It, maybe it's not like let's get back together. It's I want to tell you that I'm carrying your child, but let's do it at dinner, not on a plane or something. Yeah. I so when I first watched this scene, I thought it was like she knows ATN is now going to be a part of Gojo. So in order for her to kind of still be involved in some way, if she gets back together with Tom, you know, she's a part of it. But I I think it's more than that. I, I don't know if it's necessarily she wants to stay with him. I think like what Robbie said, it, this is going to be the big reveal that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, what I wanted to mention earlier is, you know, when we get to the kill list, Tom's not on it. Right. Jerry's not on it. Caroline is not on it. So I think that the end of that conversation that she has with Matson is very much like kind of what she wants or what she thinks should be the future of the company going forward. And I think she, you know, she sees where the power is going to be and, and and she's trying to align herself with it. Um, yeah, to build off what you're saying, I th- and not to cut you off, but I think you might be right where Shiv is hitching her wagon back to her husband who has sway in ATN because of either A, Matson, or B, what we heard before that Mankin has some sway over at ATN Maybe she wants to push against that or use it to her advantage in the political yeah. realm or something. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible to to manipulate Tom. I would not be shocked if that's that's what her actual motive is. Yeah, agreed. Um, so Matson wants a pick of the boys, which <laughs> <laughs> leads which makes me think what why did he come with this offer? Was it because of the conversation that Shiv had with him where she said, if you raise the price, you're going to, you'll get the deal done. 
Or is it because things went so poorly with the boys that he was like, fuck it, I'm going to go around you now and I'm going to jack up the price so high that you can't get it. Because we see Shiv look awfully pleased with herself. Like she believes she's the reason that this deal got done. What do you guys think there was the reason that Matson upped the offer so high, Ryan? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think there's something, like I said before, I think there's something we don't know yet about Matson and his interest in Waystar and ATN that he wanted this deal no matter what, even if he was acting like he doesn't want it. And the whole reason he goes to Frank directly is because the boys could have corrupted that message or or said no or whatever. The fact that he told Frank directly means that the board is 100% going to accept. Now, whether the deal officially goes through or not remains to be seen, but I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I think there's, there's definitely something with him and Shiv, but I think in the end, he just wants this company for some reason. Robbie, what do you think? No, I agree. When I, at the end, I'm like, did Shiv just negotiate this entire deal behind everybody's back at the end when she did a little smirk to end the episode? But I also agree with you with the whole Matson calling Frank. He could easily call the boys and he didn't because, you know, now the board is going to know and Frank's going to tell everybody. And like you said, Kendall and Roman can't fuck it up, you know, based on their phone call. Uh, and I think I 100% believe that he just wants the company and was like fuck this i'm gonna offer whatever i can and they can't say no to this deal which in in turn who knows but as of right now the deal is too good to, to be true i think maybe she played a part i think she may be giving herself much too much credit and what she as what usual I, yeah what i believe but again like who knows like many said like you guys said we we don't we didn't see majority of that that conversation so who knows what what could be brewing between the both of them but yeah i do think with um 70 just making the deal to fuck them and 30 percent of uh little uh little shiv i guess shiv can uh, i guess pinky can dance a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i think that i hate to be like pile on my shiv hate but the two the two lines that make me think that this is just Matson getting what he wants is he tells Roman and Kendall, like, I'll go around you. I'll negotiate. Do I have to negotiate without you guys? I'll go right. to the to, to the graybeards. And the advice that Shiv gives Matson, she's like, Well, if you sweeten the deal, like I'm I'm sure it'll get the deal done. And Matson's like, Oh, really? If I give them more money, it's gonna <laughs> increase the odds of me getting you know, getting what I want. Did you go so, to Hanna Barbera Business School? <laughs> yeah, she she went to to the finance department there. So I think those two lines kind of, to me, ne like negate the Shiv is the mastermind theory here. But like you said, Ryan, we don't know what else happened in that conversation. Which you know, if there is something there, I think we'll learn it. Yeah, and I think also there could be an element here of like. Did anyone piss you ever piss you off so much that you were just like, fuck them. I'm doing whatever it takes to fuck them. And maybe yeah. it's partly that too. Like, I don't give a fuck that I'm spending now 192 per share. I'm I don't even care about this company anymore. It's just fucking numbers on a page. Yeah, I just buy and fuck fucking these close two. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Uh, so Matson gets his sad boy pick, and we get the <laughs> the kill list. Jerry gets the kill list on her phone, and you know we kind of dance around this a few times, but Jerry, Carolina, and Tom are the only ones. Uh, it seems like in the immediate group there that are not on the kill list, uh, and that's where our episode ends. Any thoughts on? You know, I, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, but do we have any final thoughts on those three being left off the kill list? Uh, not surprised. Like we said, it was definitely Shiv's influence. Um, or maybe it's Matson trying to maybe not impress Shiv, but like get on her good side to a certain extent. Like he could in the future be like, I, I kept Jerry, Carolina, uh, and Tom, because you said they were good, you know, whatever. So I, I don't know. I think maybe we'll find out in the future. And there's other people too, like what happens to Kendall, what happens to Roman, what happens to cousin Greg, who knows? I just Bobby, thought it was fun. No, I just thought it was funny when they were going around there and there were people naming the guys in the kill us and they were like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I love but that. of course, that... our our guy uh, Carl is like, let the good times roll. Hey, he doesn't care. <laughs> He's man, about to get paid. Yeah, this man wants his golden parachute so bad. He wants to finish up that deal in the Greece, uh, the Greek islands. He's already there in his mind. So happy for Carl. But the, you know, the last thing I did want to mention: Do you think you know Shiv helped with this list potentially? Like you know, he they went through the list together. Well, first off, you you have single-handedly killed about six or seven good nights for me uh in this episode i didn't think you were gonna say i I didn't think you were gonna say let the good times roll because i had that lined up (laughs) now i gotta go to your roll deck that's all right but uh no sorry what were you saying again oh i do i do think she had a little help with the kill list i think you know by what he what she said about Carolina and Jerry helping could that could potentially help him with the whole blood bank situation. <laughs> I, I think I think that that was it. And I think that again with her saving Thomas again having to do that with like I didn't even think about the influence you know with ATN as Tom being ahead of it, and of course with 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 the baby on board. Yeah, I think they she definitely could she, you know she could have said the Matt's and you know Tom's a pushover. I can manipulate him. And maybe that is why she asked him to dinner. Like maybe Matson's in on it too. Like I can manipulate Tom. We can get ATN for whatever. Again, why is Matson so enthusiastic about buying this fucking company? Yeah. Maybe something's going on with the presidential race that he wants to influence. And she says, Tom, you know, gets get rid of Sid because we can't manipulate her. We can manipulate you. Hey, do you want to go to dinner? Let me, you know verbally blow you a little bit and get you on my side again but i also think it could very easily be what we've seen a number of times is that shiv you know thinks she aced the test when in reality she had really nothing to do with it uh and Matson just did it because whatever he likes shiv or something like something stupid what do you think benny anything i agree with what you guys are saying i i, I just think that there's so much that we're going to find out. I think that this this episode leaves a, so many unanswered questions that I'm just kind of looking forward to where everything goes from here. I think this is the the setup of the end game. And I think that this, you know, all these questions were left unanswered for a reason. And I think we're going to find out, you know, between this and the election, 
and what, you know, what happens next. I think it's going to be, you know, a crazy ride going forward. I just want to say something real quick. Maybe it's not appropriate for this early in the, not early in the season, but I wanted to get a quick little tange, nothing crazy. Where do you see this ending going? Oh, you know, I feel like every episode I, I'm thrown off the scent like more kind and of more. shifts it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I thought it was going to be a battle for control where the deal got canceled and it was truly going to be, you know, we find out in the end who takes over the company. It could still be that, but it's looking like it's not now. Um, I think the election is going to play a big part in it. Maybe that's what ends up scuttling the whole deal is, you know, they find out what happens with Mencken, you know, having that kind of backdoor to ATN and that puts some stain on Waystar and Matson ends up backing out there. I don't know. They do like to pull from real life. I mean, a lot of shit went down with Fox and the, and the recent election. And there was a big lawsuit with Dominion. I know that was different, but like, yeah, there definitely could be, something with that that not maybe not fucks the deal but maybe the company is just fucking implodes upon itself or something who knows yeah yeah i'm not sure and to me like there's no iron throne in in this show right right? like there's no like of this the ending means like this is where this person is going to be we don't even know what's going to happen with the company at this point so like what is success what does it mean you know, to be like the victor or what's the happy ending or what, like, we don't even know what the ending is. So it's so hard to, to even gauge out. And that's why I feel like my mind changes with every episode this season. I don't think anyone's going to end up happy because they're not happy people. It's increasingly looking like that. I mean, we're seeing, you know, how, you know, out of his mind, Roman is and how, you know, grief struck and he is Kendall almost seems like he's going to go down some manic route. <laughs> Kendall and uh, excuse me, uh, Shiv and Tom look like it's, they're just in like a, a downward spiral together and they're going to pull each other down to some, you know, crazy depth. I don't know, Robbie, what do you think? What, what are your like theories for the end here? I don't know, man. Like I said in the beginning, like I have no idea where this is going. The only, like the only thing I can see happening is just i don't know if it's too big to fail type thing with this company like it's so big does it really just fail and fall on its fucking you know fall on its axis i don't know it like you said they they've been throwing us off this entire season one one time you think it you know this is now it's going to be a, a play for the control of the company now it's like all right now you got this major deal happening how can how can this deal fall through can it will it probably so it's so many things are going on and like you said you got the election so there's just so many you know i guess puzzle pieces or chess pieces that still need to be moved around and you got five episodes to do it and the only thing like like ryan said is just that no matter what happens these people are still going to be miserable fucks mm-hmm. yeah i think the only theory that i had in our preseason episode is that connor's one percent or two percent or whatever it ends up being ends up swaying the election you know where Mencken is becomes president because you know people either 
stayed home and didn't vote or ended up just throwing it to that random third party person as like a protest vote. So that's the only thing I feel hasn't been disproven or we haven't had enough to throw us off that scent. You know, I think that Connor is going to have a big role in the election and Mencken's going to end up being president. We're one for one on our theories, though, at least we we got Logan dying. So, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Yes. Will you so graciously take us through America's favorite games? Oh, oh wait a sec. Please. Oh, no, go, go ahead, ahead Robbie. It's just does this game include uh, a re-plum watch. Oh, oh yeah. Plum, a plum score. Uh, An adjusted right. plum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, will you adjust your plums for us? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it went up a little as it always does every week. I'm gonna go 7.0. Okay, I mean, that's hey, hey, you went up, okay. that's all we can ask for. That's all yeah. matters. 0.2 plum adjustment, yeah, yeah, that's right. This was just like a, a little, a little lift and switch, you know, a little <laughs> lift and move, not right. a full I wonder... adjustment. I need to go back and listen to our earlier episodes and find out what our plus or minus plum score is. You know, you give your your initial intro on on the plum scale, and we got to find out where your average <laughs> deviation is. <laughs> it's about it's pretty much about the same, I think, across the board. It always goes up just a few points, a few, right, so. few tenths of a point after talking with you guys. Um, so yeah, like like we said. America's fastest growing and most beloved games. Let's start with Shit Show at the Fuck Factory. Who who lost this week? Who is the big loser in episode five kill list? Uh, I think I went first last week. Who's up? I feel like it might be Robbie. I don't know. I think it might be Benny. Benny, you can go, please. Yeah, I think it might be Benny. All right, my shit show at the Fun Factory this week, and I've been waiting and praying to give it to this man because just the thought of his little scrawny neck just it just turns my stomach every time I see him. But my shit show at the Fuck Factory this week is Hugo, my Great man. Choice. <laughs> see you later. Nice knowing you. Hope don't let the fucking SEC violation kick you on the way out. Maybe we'll see you in 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 court one of these days real soon. Love it. Yeah. I mean, we we forget his daughter was uh selling some stock before yeah. before the oh, news yeah. broke. Robbie, what about you? Who is your shit show at the fuck factory this week? Well, my shit show at the fuck factory this week is none other than the entertainment slash movie division of Waystar Royco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're in for some serious edits that, that are going to cost them about a quarter bill. <laughs> a quarter. Bill. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's crunching time. Yeah, with the way the economy's going and inflation and things like that, there might be a couple of heads on a spike over there. And uh, as of right now, what I'm hearing from my people inside, they're saying that this, uh, I guess, uh, Transformers esque movie that they got going on. At Waystar Royco is is fucking gonna bomb when it comes out for a release. So there might be a lot of uh, they might be in the red with this movie. Obviously with the with the reshoots and edits already, but oh boy, it's not looking good for the entertainment division of our Waystar Royco. Those Hollywood types, man. Yeah, 
Tell me I heard morale is at an all-time low at Waystar Studios. Oh my god, it's right. fucking terrible over there. Um, great choices. My shit show at the fuck factory this week is actually two people, and it is even though he had a great speech at the end, but Kendall and Roman, who yet again proved that they are inept morons who either need more experience or need to stop smelling their own farts and fucking grow a sack because they just they got completely bodied especially in that first meeting but for this entire episode got bullied and Roman snapped at Mattson and he basically wrote them off and went directly to the board who knows what happens with them if if this deal goes through they may not be part of it at all they'll get their fucking check and their stock options and that's it so who knows but they definitely Mattson even though he fucking sucks and I hate his guts, he he dominated them this week. Yeah, that made me think of the that quick line that they had at the you know at the picnic or whatever, where Matson says, "I'm just trying to make you very very rich," and Kendall yeah. just goes, "I'm already, already rich. rich." Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, it's, they're gonna end up miserable at the end of this, but they're all still gonna be rich no matter what, unless they fucking the SEC comes after them or something, or a lawsuit by the by the stockholders who knows yeah um but yeah great choices uh and our next game is the logan roy memorial serious person of the week award and this goes to the person that you think won the most or was the best this week and since this is a snake draft i'll go first my logan roy memorial Serious person of the week award is actually Shiv. I think that whether you like her or not, and whether she actually did some of the things we're speculating, she influenced this deal somehow. And she definitely got on Matson's good side. She was involved. She, I don't know. She just, I think of everybody, um, because I'm not giving this shit to Matson. She won. She was the big winner. She I was going to say more her. people, but I don't want to take your choices. So yeah, she definitely saw her influence go up by a ton. At least, at the very least, whether oh or not yeah, she... at the very least, she is now a voice in the room uh, of Matson. What and maybe the board? Who knows? You know, I could definitely envision they have a meeting. Matson has to come meet with the board, and he's basically like, "Yeah, Shiv, come sit next to me." Because you're important. Uh, Roman and Kendall, you sit at the other end of the table because you're a bunch of fuckboys. We'll see. Uh, who's next? Robbie? No, yeah. Benny? Robbie. Robbie. Well, I don't like to repeat picks, so I'm not going to because I took Matson a few weeks ago as a big winner. Uh, and I got my man Carl last week, who's the fucking god, the goat. <laughs> uh, so this week, my Logan... Roy Memorial Foundation Fun Factory Series Person <laughs> of the Week <laughs> is going to be Jerry. Oh, Jerry has the chops. She's shrewd. She's crude, and she's rude. And the thing I love about Jerry is that she doesn't take no for an answer because, like I said, she's been fired. She's back. She survived the kill list, and she's going to have maybe some sway, maybe some influence over um, Madison if this deal ever goes through. And uh, 
I don't mean her speech. She could fucking be my coach any day of the week because that speech had me ready to right, run right through a brick wall. And uh, I was ready to go make some deals over there in Norway. So, Jerry, you're my Logan Roy Memorial uh, MVP Series Person of the Week. You keep on getting it done, and you got the business acumen, and you should be leading the company. Not only could she coach you through corporate uh, hard times, but she can coach you to completion through a hotel door. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> she can get me going. <laughs> Uh, my Logan Roy Memorial Serious Person Award this week. I, you know, you mentioned that you didn't want to repeat, and I was gonna go with Carl, um, because my man is finally getting what he so deserves. <laughs> but I'm gonna go to another person that avoided the kill list, and it's not Tom. Carolina nice. has quietly been very, very competent. You know, these whole since we've seen her in the show. You know, she's not busy making any power moves. She just does her job. She does it well. Um, she learned a little bit of, is it Swedish that they speak in Norway? Not Norwegian. Well, they're Swedish. They're just in Norway. Got it. So yeah. she learns a little Swedish to kind of, you know, show that she's she's down to to adapt down to clown. the company. Yep, down to clown. Um, and she's she's going to be moving on. The next week so very happy for carolina i know she's a darling of the internet fan base and she's working her way into my heart so carolina is my logan roy memorial serious person fun factory of the week <laughs> <laughs> hey what a what a 180 for us we had uh the fems are going to be on our side this oh week. yeah we all picked we picked females oh, yeah. this week. how about oh, yeah. that Look at list that. on our shit show factory of the week last couple weeks ago, we had all women on our on our list there. So, yeah, and I also us. add, uh, I think we're missing a very important uh, serious person this week, and that would be Ebba because she is now the proud owner of several pounds of blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if if something's gonna make you serious, it's gonna be mail uh, blood showing up in your mail every couple of weeks. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Ah. <sighs> uh. Anything else that we need to discuss about this episode, boys? Yeah, I think we're good. I'm excited, man. Last five episodes. Yeah, I'm excited Crazy. for it to be over. <laughs> we should probably say, too, um, and maybe we'll do a little post on Instagram. We should uh, officially start taking some recommendations for movies yeah. that you guys want us to watch. If you're still listening this far, uh, Robbie and I are very uh unversed uneducated when it comes to the cinematic adventures so if you have some classics that you think or know we may not have seen please email them to us yeah uh and also i don't know what you guys think but i did get a little i had a little discussion with someone about being about guest starring on the podcast so um maybe we'll we'll sprinkle in a, a guest here and there um if you again if you're listening this far i think you know who you are let me know if you're ready to to get on the sticks and jump in um call it a tease in the biz they call that yeah. a tease in the biz um and yeah anyone else uh if you want to contribute please send us an email ltbwpodcast at gmail.com it'll be in the show notes we got a couple of great emails like a week or two ago uh we love that please send us more and follow us on instagram follow the show fucking text us we're great whatever we love it all 
we appreciate that you guys listen. Anything else from you guys? Uh, I just want to give you a shout out for always hosting because my nerves are on a 10 today. So <laughs> <laughs> really, thanks for sticking with me through the uh, episode rundown. Oh, you did. No, you awesome. did fantastic. Maybe yeah, what are you the, talking about? You didn't sound nervous at all. You, you were nervous. I felt it. Yeah, man. It's you feel like you're steering the ship. No, oh, you're, you're the, you you're the great. You did way better I'm a, than I. I'm a Frank or a Carl, babe. I'm not a Logan <laughs> or a Kendall. No, you, can, <laughs> you did great. Uh, appreciate it. And shit, there was something else I was going to say, and now I fucking forgot, but you did a good job. Thank Thanks. you. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening. Robbie, tell him good night. Good night, Greg. Hopefully you pumped and dumped a few Arctic foxes. Fucking loser. <laughs> oh, I remember what I wanted to say. Uh, check out our other shows on official intelligence and yep. going gray. Yeah, and, yes, sir. and yell at yell at Ryan for his uh his song song choices. No, those are great choices. No, you couple of favorite fucking favoritisms. What are you talking about? <laughs> what song? The streets are talking, bro. It's uh <laughs> aka <laughs> your wait. mom. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this episode on my commute tomorrow. It's a good oh one. God. You had some choices too. Fuck you. Eat a dick. <laughs> suck my suck my dick. Tell him good night again, Robbie. Hey Ryan, suck yes. my dick. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>